Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And today's episode is brought to you by Impact 360, who creates life-changing summer experiences plus a gap year program. For students, go to impact360.org to learn more. I am so excited about the conversation that I just got to have with Ginger Duggar Vuolo. Now, many of you may know her from the reality show, 19 Kids and Counting. She basically grew up on TV as a part of the reality show of the family of the Duggars. They grew up uh, as a really connected with the teachings of Bill Gothard. And I honestly, before I read her book, I didn't know that much about that whole world. And so her book was very enlightening. It's called Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. And so I, I there were some things in this conversation that really stood out to me that I hope will really minister to you. One thing that really stood out to me about Ginger's story is that as she became aware that some of the teachings of Bill Gothard and that whole Gothardism and that whole kind of culture were very unbiblical and even abusive. She didn't just deconstruct the whole thing and throw out her faith. In fact, she doesn't use the word deconstruction. In her book, she calls it disentangling. In fact, that's in the tagline of the book, my story of disentangling faith from fear. So instead of choosing deconstruction, she did the hard work of taking years to go to scripture and say, is what I taught who Jesus really is, is the gospel I was given, the real gospel. It's a phenomenal book. I want to recommend that everybody read it. And I'm very excited for you to get to hear this conversation I have with her today. I have a co-host today. You all know Melissa Doherty. Uh, We both were really intrigued by this story. And so we just decided to go ahead and do a mashup, release it on both of our channels and interview Ginger together. And I think you're going to just find her to be delightful and just a beautiful representative of Christ and what it can look like to grow up in hyper-legalism and disentangle that from real authentic biblical faith and become free from fear and living in a just thriving Christian faith. So can't wait for you to hear this conversation. I do want to let you know, I know this is an unusual day for us to release a podcast on YouTube. It's Thursday, and that's because Melissa and I are going to release it on the same day. But if you're listening on the audio platforms, this is your normal day. You're getting this on Sunday. Um, But I do want to let you know, for all of you YouTube people watching this, that on Sunday afternoon, we are going to be doing a live stream with Scott Lindsay from Logos Bible Software. I use Logos Bible software every day for my regular uh, Bible reading and for my deeper studies. I absolutely love it. There is just endless possibilities of things you can discover on Logos, wonderful commentaries, word studies, maps, um, top like topical commentaries. It's just, it's so wonderful. And so Scott's going to bring a special discount for our audience. So tune in for that. If you're looking for a way to dive deeper into your Bible study, to make it a little bit more accessible to you, easy to, oh, there's so many wonderful devotionals. It's just so great. 
So uh, we're going to be doing a live stream on Sunday. That will actually not go to the audio platforms because it's going to be so visual. He's going to walk us through some of the software options and show us what it looks like when you open this tab and how to do a word study, things like that. So if you're listening on the audio platforms and you might be interested in maybe checking that out and getting that discount, watch the live stream because that's where you're going to be able to get that information. All right, guys, without any further ado, I'm so excited for you to hear from Ginger and how she disentangled faith from fear. All right, Ginger, so glad to talk with you today. We're so, we've been so looking forward to this. I loved reading your book. And for anyone who might be unfamiliar with you and your story, you basically grew up on TV and was, have been a Christian your whole life. Tell a little bit about your story of coming to faith as a young girl and growing up on TV, and then what kind of started this process of you rethinking some of the teachings that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an interesting journey, definitely, uh, that the Lord took me on. Uh, I was raised in a family who um, sought to point me to Jesus. So a Christian family, I went to church um, every Sunday. And I'm so grateful for how my parents sought to point me to Jesus from an early age and tell me that salvation was not by works. And I had a good foundation for that. Um, and so Then also alongside that, I was raised on TV from the age of 10 until just a couple years ago, about 27. And so um, that was an interesting journey, being in the public eye. uh, It's definitely not always easy, especially when you walk through the most difficult seasons of your life in front of a camera. Uh, That's kind of hard, but uh, it was also interesting to see God gave awesome opportunities for us to like be able to speak truth in that setting. Um, but it, yeah, they definitely had challenges as well. Um, and so I was so grateful for that foundation that my parents gave me though, with like the gospel, but then at the same time, I also followed a teacher, um, in those throughout those formative years that would teach the exact opposite. Mm. He, uh, he even told a story at one point of a woman who needed to clean up her life clean up this mess because you can't bring Jesus into this mess. So do my steps Mm. and that will um, be what you need to do before you can come to Jesus. Mm. So that there was confusion. There was a lot of fear in my life um, and uncertainty about what was expected of me from God in um, those early years. I'd say like once I was a Christian, I was saved at the age of 14 Uh, The Lord really uh, did a work in my heart. And I'm so grateful because I can see how growing up under teachings that give you all these steps to reach God, it would Mm. be so easy to lean on that for um, being right with God. And so I was so grateful that the Lord humbled me and opened my eyes to my need for a savior. And he snatched me out of my legalistic, out of Mm my performative um, attitude of coming to him. And I just saw I couldn't do anything to gain favor with God. And he saved me from my sins. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. Well, your book is called Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. And I loved, I loved your book. I thought you did such a good job of communicating. You really honored your family and your parents while at the same time, your word, disentangling 
some of the teachings you grew up with from real Christianity, from authentic faith. And, you know, I think growing up, um, I grew up kind of in the 80s and 90s in evangelical mm-hmm. culture, and I had zero exposure to the the specific teachings that you did, which so I learned mm-hmm. so much from your book uh, of just that real hyper legalism and the approach to you know, even gender mm-hmm. roles and things like that. And so often in the deconstruction movement, you have people who might have grown up in a legalistic context. And then when they realize that some of that is wrong, they tend to kind of tangle it all up together and throw the whole Mm -hmm. thing away or maybe Mm -hmm. reinvent a faith that's really more palatable to them or something that feels safer to them. And that's understandable. Mm -hmm. I think we can all understand the knee-jerk reaction to want to do that, to to want Mm -hmm. to find teachings that feel safer to you, that feel, you know, non-toxic to you. Um, But but in your book, you talk so specifically about the years-long journey you went on to disentangle um, the false teachings from the real gospel. And I was so excited excited when I saw that word because so many people tend to just jump to that word deconstruction. And I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you specifically, like, why did you reject the word deconstruction in favor mm-hmm. of something like unthreading or disentangling? Um, because not mm-hmm. a lot of people are making those distinctions. And I think you did a beautiful job with that. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so interesting to see. I think in the culture that we're in, there's so much focus on um, how much pain somebody went through, which is a lot of times this real pain. And I know I experienced that, the confusion that you experience when, whenever you're listening to a teacher who claims to speak for God, but doesn't, or um, you're in a church setting that is difficult and it's, um, it's challenging to come out of that and to say, okay, well, God's word is true even though that teacher may have implied some things that weren't based in the Bible, or maybe they um, would ha- were abusive in their words, or um, even sadly, so many who have experienced much more pain than I could mm-hmm. have ever imagined within the context of church or somebody who was a minister. So I, I understand there's so much pain there and hurt, but sadly, this deconstruction movement has become a thing where if you've been harmed within Christianity at all, then a lot of people are just tearing their faith down to the studs, never to build it up again, saying, this is how I'm going to cope. This is how I'm going to get through is by throwing it all away. And that's something that we've seen a rise in really. And, and it's so sad. So I, whenever I was thinking through my story, um, I had uh, that word, I remember the word deconstruction. I was like, that's definitely not it. That's not my journey because you see like Joshua Harris has this deconstructor starter pack that he's offering for people. And I was like, that is so sad. And it's so tragic that people are turning to that. And I think so many in the Christian world may use the word deconstruction because of like, I don't have a good word for what I'm going through. And they feel like you have to narrow it down to one word. So, um, the word disentangling is just something that makes sense. And, um, I did tell the story so many times because it, it just kind of gives a good picture, but like, if you get putty stuck in your hair, you can just shave your head. You can just take Mm -hmm. all of your hair off and say, I'm done. I'm not going to work through this to take it out of my hair. But there's also another way that you can go. You can take the time to pick out the putty, even though it's painful, it's hard. It will take a very long time. Um, and it's a slow process. So that's something that 
I feel like I've been um, on this journey uh, with the Lord and with an open Bible, just going and saying, okay, I was so confused about who God was, the nature and character of God, the union with Christ I have as a believer, that I can view God as a loving heavenly father when I thought that he was always out to get me as his Mm. child, that if I stepped outside of some box or stepped across a line, I didn't know that even existed, that God's waiting there to punish me or to kill me. And that like from something that I didn't even know I did. So some Mm. of those things you have to disentangle is just realizing you need to go and examine everything according to the Bible. And so with an open Bible saying, okay, I want to see what this teacher said because he claimed to be a Bible teacher. So let me see what he says. Is it based in the Bible or is it not? And if it's not, I want to follow God's word. And that's a hard, a really hard thing to do. And I think so many people um, have a challenge with that because they've been like, they can only view a verse of the Bible one way because a teacher has always taught it that way. And it's so drilled into you. Um, So it's tough, but being in a good church also helps with that. Like I'd say, that's something where I know so many have been harmed by Christianity. They want to run to the other extreme of like, well, I'm just going to figure this out on my own for so many years. And um, the, the trust of like finding a good church, finding that community where you can um, heal and yeah. also where you can be grounded in what is true. And I think it all goes back to regardless of who you are, you have to be Berean. You have to open the Bible for yourself and see what it says and um, also like not putting your trust in a person because people will always let us down inside the church, outside yeah. the church. You will never find anyone um, aside from Jesus himself who yeah. is perfect and will never let you down. He will never leave you or forsake you as his child. And I think that's where my soul found rest is in those truths and realizing who Jesus truly is. That's so great. Have you received much pushback from the deconstruction community. I, there has been, there's been some interesting um, interactions that uh, I've had, but for the most part, I think a lot of people have said, huh, that's so interesting. Like maybe that's a better way to describe this. Good, so good. It's, it's, I think it's been more maybe Christians who were using the word deconstruction and they thought that was their only word that they could find. Yeah. So I think there's been more of that than people actually pushing out back against it, unless they were like, Ginger, you need to leave Christianity altogether. Right, right. Um, yeah. And that that definitely has happened. Um, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's not been too bad. Yeah. So for, it sounds like that you are looking for answers and not exits. And I find mm-hmm. that very interesting that uh, people who tend to deconstruct, um, at least from what I can tell, a lot of times they don't want it anymore, right? Like they don't want to Mm -hmm. actually know what the Bible teaches. And you have a really good point. As I was reading your whole book, I just, I I was really interested in how it seemed that Bill Gothard took the place of what the Bible was actually trying to say. And Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of teachers do that, where if you want to learn about the Bible and know about it, they will basically be the Bible by proxy. What would you say to someone who maybe is coming from a legalistic background and they're going through this where they want out because they've been hurt and there's another way to disentangle and look Mm -hmm. for answers instead of exits. What Mm -hmm. would you say to someone in a similar situation as you are? 
I think from, I remember whenever I first realized that Bill Gothard was not a Bible teacher and that his mm-hmm. teachings were totally opposite of um, the scriptures, then that was what was the first, the first like moment where I saw, like my eyes were open to realize that this man is not who he said he was. And that mm-hmm. was scary for me. I remember feeling very scared because if these teachings aren't true, then he doesn't have something mapped out for me that is going to lead me to this perfect life of success, guaranteed success for my kids to turn out perfectly, for um, everything in my life to go well, for finances to always be there, for all these things that he promised. It was more of like a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. even though you never said that. He would, my family would have rejected that entirely. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I started to see that's not right. But for me, because I love Jesus, because I was saved at the age of 14, I genuinely just wanted to love Jesus. I wanted to see what his word actually said. And sadly, like I had gotten on that treadmill of trying to perform in a way, like I wasn't trying to earn my salvation by it, but I definitely was trying to like figure out, okay, how do I grow? What is, what does it mean to grow in, in love for Jesus? Does it mean like keeping up all these outward things? So I felt like I was constantly working towards that. And I think a lot of people can identify with that mindset of like, okay, once I love Jesus, what do I do? What can I do? And so, yes, Mm -hmm. there's a doing side of the gospel because the, when we're transformed from the inside out, that's what the overflow of our heart is. We want to glorify God. So I think for me, I was coming at this from a different perspective, seeing like, okay, I, I can see how everybody wants to throw everything off. That's not what I want to do. I want to see who Jesus truly is because I love him and I want to mm. know my savior more and more. Um, and so for me, it was, it was looking at the Bible as a whole and seeing, okay, I'm not going to just be able to pick out verses anymore. That was something that I had done all these years. Mm. And so, yes, looking for those answers and exits, that's a really good way to put that because I think so many people, maybe if, if they don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus and they've only been doing all the outward stuff, you will look for exits because when Mm. it gets exhausting, whenever life is tough, or maybe these guarantees don't turn out, if your heart's not truly transformed by the gospel, then it's only you working. You're trying to work your way to God. And that will only uh, reveal itself in the true nature of what your heart wants and what it longs Mm -hmm. for and desires. And I think a lot of kids who were raised in that setting, um, I saw a lot of them spend years of like being in confusion or hurt, but then the ones who genuinely love Jesus and whose hearts have been changed by the gospel they will run to Jesus, even if it takes mm. some years of like processing this stuff. Um, so I think it, it goes down to the, the inward heart, like where your heart it hasn't been transformed by the saving work of Jesus Christ, or is it just an external performance that you've been living in? Mm. Well, I want to tell you about our first sponsor today. It's Good Ranchers. You guys know I love Good Ranchers. I have always been someone who has sought out grass-fed beef, pastured chicken, um, wild-caught seafood. I just love good quality meat. And what I love about Good Ranchers is that they deliver it right to your home. It comes frozen. You can stick it in your freezer, and it makes it so easy to decide what to have for dinner. Right now, I've got some chicken breasts thawing out that I'm going to cook up tonight. 
tonight. I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. I might just do salt and pepper and grill them in the pan, but it is ready to go and it makes it so easy. And then I know that I'm giving my family good quality meat that's not pumped full of hormones and antibiotics, uh, pastured chicken, grass-fed beef. And this is the month to sign up. Month of March is when you're going to get free bacon for a year. So if you sign up at goodranchers.com during the month of March, you're going to get free bacon for an entire year. The other thing I love about Good Ranchers is that when you subscribe, once you lock in that first subscription, your price will never go up. That will be your price for the life of your subscription. And then, you know, you can also use the code ALISA to get $20 off of your first box. So it's a no-brainer. March is the month to do it, to get your free bacon. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use the code ALISA for $20 off your box and free bacon for a year. GoodRanchers.com. American Meat Delivered. That's a really profound insight. Um, I'm going to be thinking about that one for a long time. It's like when when your heart is transferred, because I feel like that that was my story. I had a faith crisis mm-hmm. over 10 years ago that nearly led me to the edge of agnosticism. And mm-hmm. yet I knew Jesus. I had My heart had been transformed mm-hmm. and I could not walk away. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a really profound insight. You know, it's interesting. I mentioned that growing up, I had zero exposure, like to Bill Gothard, let's say, you know, Mm -hmm. specifically, but some of that stuff I think got in everywhere because I related with so much of your story. Like when you Mm -hmm. talked about how you, you felt like maybe God would punish you if you made the wrong choice. And you had this Mm -hmm. angst over whether to go play broom ball or stay home and read your Bible, you know? And I so relate with that because I remember going to summer camp and just feeling like I really recommitted my heart to Christ. And then I didn't watch Punky Brewster for like two weeks. And I was like, (laughs) That was my legalism. You know, it's like self-imposed. But um, it's so interesting, too, that you mentioned picking out verses, maybe not really being taught or Mm -hmm. being given the tools to read the Bible for yourself. I feel like that's—I experienced Mm -hmm. some of that, too, where I would pick out verses like, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. And just this morning, I was out walking and listening to my daily Bible reading, and it was the next section where it says, and if you disobey, you'll be cursed in the city, you'll be cursed (laughs) in the field. But I never, like—I never claimed that that part or, you know, said that part's for me. So that's really interesting. But the, the legalism, it's like when I read, when I read your book, I just, there was just this purity of your heart. So wanting to please Jesus. And in the deconstruction movement, you see people who come from maybe some type of a legalistic background like that. And um, like you said, maybe their hearts haven't been transformed by the gospel. So they're looking for a way out. They want to call the whole thing toxic. Um, But your story is such a ray of hope for people because here you are saying, look, here's how you can do this without losing Jesus. And it's just, I don't know, it's such a, a beautiful, beautiful story. But for people who might not really be familiar with Bill Gothard's teachings and even the controversy surrounding that whole thing, because I, I didn't, I really learned about that from your book. And then I started doing some internet research on that whole thing. But but give us an idea of, of just basically what these teachings were specifically mm-hmm. as they related to women in particular and um, and the legalism that came along with that. Mm-hmm. Bill Gothard, he came on the scene in the 60s and 70s whenever parents were super scared that their kids were going to get involved in sex, drugs, and rock and roll and that whole movement. So they they were looking for answers. And Bill Gothard came on the scene promising a guarantee of success for your family. So if you follow my seven basic life principles, then God will bless your life. 
But if you don't, then your life will be one disaster after another. And so these principles were, some of them were character. He would give like character qualities, which I think a lot of people thought, oh, that's harmless. It's good. And I mean, I would kind of agree. There was some good like character stuff that he would say, we need to teach our kids good character because um, kids are rebellious nowadays against parents or whatever authority, any authority. And so he would talk about that. But then the further in you got to his teachings, you started to realize, man, this is just really um, oppressive. And it's very, it's not based in the Bible. So he was very comfortable placing burdens on people's lives where the scripture spoke nothing about it. So where the scripture is silent, he was very comfortable speaking and building a case Mm. for something and then having you make a vow to keep this. And so that was Mm. something that, um, whether that was like not listening to music with drums, which I know a lot of people probably grew up in churches where whenever drums first started to enter the church, they'd be like, hold on, this is not okay. It's a new thing. But you can almost be stuck in an era of time. So it's like, well, in the 60s and 70s, if something's changing, let's push back against Mm. that change. Let's stay in the 60s and 70s. Let's keep this like Mm. what we've always known. And there's a certain sense of like tradition and all of that. But when it goes to the extreme of saying, okay, well, this is Bible and you need to live your life like this. Don't wear pants if you're a woman. Don't work outside the home. Stay at home until you're married. Um, and if you don't, then you could be bringing destruction upon yourself Mm. and, um, you're not under the protection of God or under the protection of your parents if you're outside of an umbrella. So he, he would teach all of these things that on the outside, I think a, a lot of parents would say, okay, that's easy enough. Let's have our kids do courtship and never be alone, um, without a chaperone or don't kiss until you're married. Don't hold hands until you're engaged. Like all these rules that he was you would come up with within the the system. It seems so easy. And what it really did though, sadly, was it, it didn't leave any room for Christian liberty or for even Hmm. the leading of the Holy spirit within each Christian's life. You all look the same. You were cookie cutters and it was, it was so easy because Bill Gothard had prescribed everything that you were to do to gain favor or success with God. And so as a young person, I remember even in my younger teen years, I remember looking at other families who maybe their kids rebelled or maybe they had um, a tough financial situation. And I would look at their families and I would think they just haven't learned yet about these teachings. Mm-hmm. And so they just need to hear Bill Gothard only because he's the only man who has this, you know, these special teachings from God. And they need to learn these teachings for their kids to be a success, for their family to be a light to the nations, for them to have good finances. And I would, I would look at that and judge so quickly. And I thought, whenever I have my own family one day, I'm going to raise them in these teachings and I'm not going to have to worry about my kids rebelling. They're all going to turn out to love Jesus and it's going to be easy. And that really takes the total reliance upon like even having to pray because you realize, man, like if it's all prescribed for me, I'm just, I mean, in the Bible, we have what's right and wrong, but there are still those areas where it's like, Lord, what do you desire for me to do? You know, like inches on your skirt in those Mm -hmm. days was like, okay, well, you have to have like two inches below the knee or whatever it was, never buying a sleeveless shirt. Um, But you can roll your sleeves up in the sun, of course. But it was like all of those things that I thought, this is easy. Like I have it all figured out. And once I realized that, man, these teachings just aren't based in scripture, it was scary Mm -hmm. for me because then Mm -hmm. I thought, 
oh my, I have to go to the word of God now to see what Lord would have me to do in all of these areas that I thought were so already black and white. Um, and so that's something that I think sadly, like a lot of parents would get wrapped up in because it's just, it's just the guarantee seems so good. Well, I hope you're enjoying our conversation with Ginger Duggar Volo about her book, Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. And as I have this conversation, I just can't help but think about how important it is to really model for our kids a genuine, authentic faith, to teach them the real gospel so that one day they won't have to disentangle that stuff. And one great resource for that is Impact 360. This is one of our sponsors on the podcast. I have partnered with Impact 360 for years. I'm one of their faculty speakers. I go to all the events, the summer events, the gap year program. It's one of my favorite things to do is to drive up to beautiful Pine Mountain, Georgia. They have a beautiful campus, you guys, and uh, teach for a couple of days on the gap year program and one day for the summer experiences, which is the two-week immersion experience and the one-week propel experience. Now, immersion is full. It's March. We're getting near the summer. It's already full. Get on the, the wait list for that one for sure. But if you have never gone to an Impact 360 experience, Propel is a great introduction. It's one week long. They do a lot of apologetics training, theology training, community, discipleship. They have fun. They play games. And they just—it's just a wonderful experience for kids to start to really get solidified in their faith and learn leadership skills that will last, last them their whole lives. So there are still spots open for Propel for this year. So go to impact360.org slash propel to register your student for that experience. And then, you know, who knows, maybe they'll end up doing the gap year. I'm really hoping my kids will both end up doing that. It's a wonderful program. So again, go to impact360.org or impact360.org slash propel to register for this year's propel experience. Yeah, uh, throughout the reading of your book, I was enamored with everything you just said, the black and white-ness of it all, where it was almost formulaic. Mm -hmm. Like if you do this formula, then you're going to be blessed for it. And you and I have a mutual friend, Don Vino, yes. where, yeah, he wrote a lot yeah. about Gothardism and I yeah. didn't even know anything about it, but he was mm -hmm. the first base, so to speak, on me even knowing, mm -hmm. oh, that's what the Duggars believe because I used actually used to watch uh it was when it was 14 kids and counting I used to watch it when yeah, it first came way back wow. <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> it was when you guys were in the first house and everything and that's um so crazy yeah. mm -hmm, when baby Josie was born all that I was kind of there mm -hmm. for that it was it's interesting so mm -hmm. um but I was curious about that I'm like well why mm -hmm. what what is up with this like how come you know what's up with the dresses what's up with the rules and all these things and there's a pattern with high control religions where they say, if you do this, then you will be blessed. And I was so enamored by your uh, comparing it to the health and wealth gospel. I would actually love for you to unpack that a little bit more yeah. where you would have said, and I call this spiritual gaslighting, where mm -hmm. you will have a leader basically teach something and then deny they teach that thing. And right. it really messes with you. Yeah. And uh, I would love for you to unpack that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. How would you have been in a position to deny the health and wealth gospel while at the same time uh, have followed those formulaic 
uh, attitudes to bring about blessing. I think that is so interesting because I, I, I just didn't realize the amount of teachings that Bill Gothard had that were, um, just that they were the health Hmm. and wealth gospel, because as a young kid, I think because that was all I ever knew, I just heard that there were all these false teachers, all these guys that promised you everything. Um, and you shouldn't follow them because, you know, they're promising you like you're going to get a big plane. So claim it, you know, like we wouldn't say we're going to claim anything, but we would, we would deny that. And we watched like this strange fire. I remember watching this strange fire, um, thing from pastor John MacArthur. And I was like, wow, that's really crazy. What are those guys doing at the same time? Mm-hmm. I was like the most devout Bill Gothard follower. Um, like I remember once I got into the teachings, Bill Gothard even said at one point, um, he said, when talking about suffering, he said, Job had three fears. And he went into like these fears and this is why he, you know, that his kids would die and he lost everything that he had, his wealth. And it's because he had these fears that all these terrible things happened to him. So you just, the thing that I feared came upon me, as he would say. And it was like, well, what about Job being the most righteous man on the earth? You know, you see this, that it was not, it was not what he didn't do or what he said, these words. I started to believe. I started to believe that if I had this fear of like, what if I fear I'm going to get cancer? What if I fear that I'm going to get married and my husband's going to die the same day? Like, if I fear that, it's going to come upon me. So I started Mm -hmm. to believe that. And I thought, if I just don't believe these things, I'm going to control what's going to happen in the future. So it was that weird, superstitious confusion that I lived in for so many years because I thought, it's, it's what I think, what I say, what I do. Like, like I was just saying that the broom ball thing was crazy because I would just say, okay, how do I feel today? Like, Ooh, do I feel like I should go? Do I feel like I've read my Bible long enough? Even if I read my Bible for an hour that morning, it didn't matter. I would still feel like maybe I'm supposed to stay home. Maybe I'm supposed to fast today. Okay. I have this feeling I'm supposed to fast. If I don't, I might be killed in a car accident, or maybe I'm going to get some crazy disease. So you started to live your life by that instead of by basing anything that Bill Gothard said off the word of God. So that's how I felt like with him, there was a certain understanding a lot of people had within that setting saying, okay, he's almost like maybe he's a modern day prophet sent from God, which we would have totally rejected if any other church said that. But because it was Bill Gothard, I just kind of fell into that and believed it. Mm -hmm. Was there a consequence. So there's uh, something you write in your book about uh, Bill Gothard's, I think it was the principles and his teachings. And one of the things that you said was like a generational curse. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. yeah. So if if something bad happened, and honestly, it reminds me a lot of what I used to believe as a new ager, whereas you could bring that into your reality by thinking about it. Yeah. And I think it did fall into line with a lot of the new age the new age perspective, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I just, yeah. I think this, it all what a goes twist. Back down to like examining everything. It doesn't matter who the teacher is like in your own church, you're able to examine and see, is this based on the Bible or is this just a man's opinion that I'm just saying, Oh, because he's my pastor, because he's my teacher, I'm just going to take it in and not open my Bible. There's mm-hmm. that is where these things slip in. Or if you're raised mm-hmm. in something, um, like I just thought this guy is just, a, he's amazing. 
everybody needs to know his teachings, but that he, he would teach, like he would say, life is a very delicate cause and effect sequence. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of, you're on this fine line. And so if you barely cross it, then your life could be a total disaster. So he has these seven basic life principles that you, you need to follow to a T. And if at any point it breaks down, then you have to go back and say, well, why is my family a mess? Or why did my kids not turn out? Now, I think every parent could probably do that. And I think that can be a healthy thing to do if your kids are like crazy. But at the same time, you still see like there is, there's the sovereignty of God is missing in this whole picture. There's not a reliance upon the Lord and on him, even in, in salvation, the, the reality of him um, being a sovereign God and sovereign over salvation as well, where I think a lot of those things were relying on the parents. So you see all these parents who, if their kids don't turn out, then they're like, they go back so carefully through these principles. Well, was it a curse from my grandfather? Yeah. Maybe he had a curse on him that we failed to see. And, and sadly, he went into adoption. He said for so many years about adoption, you need to be extra careful because you never know um, what curses these kids are bringing into your family. Oh. And so mm. you need to um, be careful. He told a crazy story about a baby who was screaming and crying. This is an infant. And the baby was screaming, crying, looked at the parents with rage. And they were like, oh, we just didn't realize this kid had, you know, this generational curse. And so they prayed and they said the baby ended up calming down. It's like, well, maybe the baby was just sick or maybe the baby was yeah. gassy. Like, you don't know what the cause yeah. is. This is an yeah. infant that just yeah. came into your home and you're thinking, oh no, he's adopted. We're freaking out because we don't know what curses he's going to bring into our family. That's mm. insane. And so that whole perspective, you become so afraid of everything around you, thinking that you mm. are controlling it instead of a sovereign God who's over it all. And mm. I think you, you want to be able to trust in that and you trust mm. in a sovereign God. And we all struggle every day with like, okay, Lord, help me to trust you. If you bring difficulties or sufferings and trials. I want to love you more. And there are wrestlings within the believer. But in this setting, it was like, I'm going to turn to myself or I'm going to turn to these principles to solve it all instead of turning to mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm. And, you know, what you grew up in with the Gothard teachings, you got the enigmatic, charismatic figure at the top of it, you know, and, and the way you even describe, you know, when you get to go uh, to the conferences and, and have interactions with Bill Gothard and go to dinner with Bill Gothard mm -hmm. with your family and just how that was like, oh, wow. And, you know, it's not difficult um, to to really see some kind of cult-like comparisons possibly with, mm -hmm. with um, his teachings and his personality. Um, and yet I was so like in a stunning turn of irony in your book, you talk about how he had even written how to safeguard teens from cults. Yes. Which was like, <laughs> oh my. What? I, so when I was doing research for this book is when I discovered that. And I was so shocked because yeah. I was thinking, goodness, you're describing yourself in this and how to, how to safeguard them from cults. Really? Okay. And this was very cult like in nature. Um, I'll leave it to the experts to say if it was fully yeah. a cult, but a lot of people look the same, talk the same, avoid the same things. And look to one teacher as this man who had the element of truth that we all needed and you couldn't find anywhere else, which is a big red flag now. I look at that and I'm like, oh, anytime somebody says you can't hear this teaching anywhere else or they always have a new mm -hmm. revelation from God, 
stop right mm-hmm. there. That's a red flag. So yep. um, that's something now that like, oh my goodness, it's crazy. I don't know how I could have just been so into that and thought it was okay. And he is the only person that I could allow to say these things that were not in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was crazy. Like I remember going to the conferences and feeling like these are my people. I really do genuinely like have so many friendships that are still within that community. And even those who have come out of it, that's where all of my friends were. So it's interesting. Um, Even in writing this book, my heart is not to like, be like, how crazy are they for still being there? Cause I get it. I was Mm -hmm. there all of my life until, you know, like six years ago, seven years ago now, almost um, I was in those teachings and I can see how appealing it is. I can see how scary it is to come out of it. Uh, but the beauty of knowing Jesus for who he truly is in his word is far greater than any relationship that you could ever find in a person or in a teaching to guarantee you the success or the safety. There's safety found in knowing and loving Jesus and knowing his word. Yeah, it's so interesting, Elisa. That was so interesting you brought that up because it does remind me of spiritual gaslighting of mm-hmm. what we just talked about where they are saying, oh, we're not a cult. And then right. they do cultish things and then they give mm-hmm. direction for it. Mm-hmm. Which, um, which yeah, solidifies no, the, the narrative. It makes people even feel yeah. more, you know, safe in that yes. environment. Yeah. Oh, well, he's writing articles. Of, and I knew a lot yeah. of people said, mm-hmm. oh, this is a cult or they would try to persuade us out of it. Um, I remember a billboard by recovering grace that they had put up and I just kind of saw that and was like, huh, those poor people, they just don't know that this would, this would, um, help their kids to not be rebellious. So one day maybe they'll see, and maybe they'll repent of that and stop trying to pull all of us out of this. So they were like Mm -hmm. sending up this warning flag, not in a bad way, but they were just saying like, just realize what you're in and examine stuff according to the Bible. That's their message. But Mm -hmm. for me, I would say, well, thank you, but you don't need to say that. Like you need to come in with us, like come closer because this is not a cult. And so, um, yeah, it is that, that weird, weird thing in our head, right? Like there was a certain disconnect. We would have rejected any other cult, but we were in a cult-like setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to say when I, uh, I first saw you on Ali Beth Stuckey and I was so intrigued. I immediately wanted to read your book and I, picked it up thinking I was going to get a memoir and it was a gospel presentation Mm. and it was so wholesome to read Mm. and very wonderful. And there was one, there was one one thing I kept waiting for you to bring up in the book and I have the opportunity to ask you. So I'm going to, at this point, the, um, the, the dress code that you guys had, how did it feel when you first put on pants? (laughs) Like when (laughs) you were able to ask me that like two days ago, I don't know why he asked me that like two days ago. And I said, how did it feel to first put on pants? Hmm. I was like, that's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought about too much until a couple of days ago. Um, it was, it was interesting. Listening like, to like was, a Zoe's, like a Christian CD, all the things. Right, yeah. right. There was something in my mind of like, okay, I know this isn't sinful. So my heart was just free in that. It, it just, then I started thinking, oh man. This is, it's not just wearing pants, like putting on pants. It's like, okay, I'm wearing pants. But the weird thing was, I just started thinking, man, how much more convenient is it going to be to ride a bike? 
and to like work out, <laughs> not wearing a skirt or with like this long skirt with leggings underneath even. You can't move. You can't move. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm, I'm just grateful for that. Like, let's just start there. So, but as far as wearing pants, it seems yeah. like it, it seemed like maybe a little weird at first, but it wasn't, it wasn't like this crazy, strange thing because it was like, for me, it was just going to the word of God and saying, okay, is this okay? So I'm not going to feel like uncomfortable because I realized, okay, I want to still be modest. I want to glorify God. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I have to wear a skirt to do that. So that mm-hmm. was freeing for me. I wasn't like questioning, should I be doing this or not? Because whenever the Bible was silent on that, I wanted to be silent. So um, it was, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. My husband just asked me that and like still trying to figure out how did I feel? How did I feel? Yeah, in that the whole moment? book, I was <laughs> waiting for it. That's a great question. I love that. I love that. Oh, well, we only have a, a few more minutes here with you, Ginger. I would love for you to speak to anybody who might be watching or listening to this, who might be very confused, where maybe they grew up in a situation where real authentic gospel teaching was all mixed up with maybe abuse or abuse of power or legalism or um, just all sorts of different deceptive things that can lead people away from the gospel. And they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, maybe been um, courted by the deconstruction movement who would say, it's all toxic, throw it out. You got to be, you know, healthier than this Christian thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just give, speak to our audience with some encouragement about what message you would have for anybody who might mm-hmm. be in that position that you were in several years ago, where you're like, oh my gosh, I have a lot of fear, but I know Jesus is real. What do I do with mm-hmm. this? Yeah, I would just say wherever you are in that, in that journey of your life, um, just running to Jesus is the answer. Like I said before, people will let us down, whether that is inside the church or outside the church, people outside the church, they, you know, you can promise, okay, you're not going to be hurt here. But I think anywhere we go in this fallen and broken world, the answer and our hope that we can find is in Jesus in the truth of his word and putting our, the trust in our hope there, because I think that that's something that we know the anchor for our souls is there. And um, if you come to Jesus too, like he is a kind and loving savior. Um, and there is, there is also like, I think within this, this whole idea of like having to throw everything off, it's because, well, look at the justice of God, look at this. And you can like throw that off, but looking at the word of God as a whole and seeing that there is, um, both, both justice and mercy found in the gospel. And that if you run to Jesus, he is there with open arms and he will um, forgive your sin and he will draw near in a closer relationship, a sweeter relationship than uh, you could ever find anywhere. And he is our peace. He is our hope. He is our strength. And through it all, just entrusting yourself to a faithful savior is where your your soul will find rest. And so that would be my plea to anyone who's outside of that. And if you're living in legalism, if you're living in Um, by trying to do enough good things to get to God, that's never going to work. It's calling out in repentance and calling upon the name of the Lord and trusting in the finished work of Christ that will save you from your sin. And so that's my plea. That's my hope, because I know that I was in that place and there's so much confusion there, but my hope would be that um, anyone who's been harmed would realize that, that Jesus is our hope. 
Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ginger, for, you know, coming on, Mm -hmm. talking with us. Becoming Free Indeed is your book. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. Come and and talk with us about this, about your book, Mm -hmm. about your journey. Uh, Lisa, do you want to add anything? No, that's great. Thank you so much, Ginger. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I want to thank my guest, Ginger Duggar Vuolo. Again, get her book, Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. I think it's really going to bless and encourage you, especially in a culture of deconstruction. If you're looking for higher level education, I recommend Southern Evangelical Seminary. I am asked all the time what seminaries are good, solid, standing for uh, good theology and historic Christian beliefs. I'm telling you, SES is the best, in my opinion. You can go to ses.edu slash Alisa to download a free audiobook. And they've been a sponsor on the podcast for a while. I love partnering with SES. So go to ses.edu slash Alisa. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, click the bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video. If you're listening on audio platforms, it helps so much. If you go to Apple or Google or Spotify, rate and review this podcast. Let other people know that you really like what you're hearing, that it's equipping you, that it's encouraging you, and that it's helping you become stronger in your faith and stronger intellectually to know what you believe and why. And if you see this post on social media, clicking like, leaving a comment, sharing it out to your friends, it helps so much. Guys, thanks so much for watching today. And let's remember as we pursue Christ to keep a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time. 